Today on the show, we talk the what's what of the week, the next generation of gaming with the PlayStation 5, the future of Disney Plus, and life since lockdown. We have the tea, we have the custard creams, and we're raring to go. Wallets at the ready, the arcade is open for business. Bing bong, hello and welcome, you're listening to The Arcade, a podcast where two Irish lads talk the what's what in gaming and beyond and where the crack is top notch. My name is Sean and with me is Stephen. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Take three on The Arcade. I know. Yeah, we've tried this three times and, well, two times and they both crashed and burned. And we're back again because we can't get enough of it. I know, yeah, it's great. Just talking about, um, you know, stuff, video games and beyond. What we're into. What we're into. It's amazing. And this one's going to be amazing because we're actually taking it more seriously. We said that in the last one, though. We did. We said that in the last we one. We'd be very careful with that. Anyway, with that said, let's get into the show with a bit of housekeeping first. Um, So, like I said, this is the new one. And we are now with a new per- per- uh, person, people, host. There we go. There's the word. Uh, we're now with Acast. Yes, Acast. Yeah, which is something I haven't actually heard of until we decided to do the podcast with them. But you know more about it, so fill us in, Stephen. Oh, um, yeah. Look, we shopped around, and um, we decided we would s- sign up with Acast and just see where they'll take us. They have a lot of Irish podcasts on there already. They've got the two Johnnies, and they've got the Irish podcast, the Irish history podcast, and they have um, Blind Boys on there as well. Yes. And now they have the arcade. Now they have the arcade. We're we're all in there now. But it uh, will also be available on Spotify and iTunes and all the places people normally go to to listen to their podcasts. And we'll have more about the housekeeping later on in the show. But now let's get into the main bulk of it, which is the what's what. So what's what this week? The PlayStation 5 just got like revealed along with a bajillion games. I know. I am... Um I'm I- extremely excited and also worried. Um, Do tell. So, obviously, given the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, things are very scarce. And the fact of Sony announced PlayStation 5 and has yet to announce a price tag. Yeah. It yeah. has us worried. Are they going to do the same thing as they did with PlayStation 3? Well... Yeah, there, there's no price yet, but there is prices because um, obviously now that it's been fully revealed, um, places like GameStop and Game or any retailer that sort of will sell it, they have to, they've, they've now opened pre-orders, but they need a price to obviously put the pre-order in position and they're putting them down to $700 currently, but that's not been officially confirmed by Sony. That's not an officially set price by Sony. So... It could be cheaper. It could be more expensive. Uh, we we will we will get into that later because we are going to be dedicating a whole segment of this show to um, the PlayStation Five. But let's move on with the more what's what. Uh, Artemis Fowl. Haven't seen it. No, neither <laughs> have I. Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl. For those of you who don't know, is a film based on a series of books by Owen Colfer that's been in development hell for quite a long time. Like. It's been in development hell for so long that I genuinely was convinced it was released. 
no <laughs> I got a trailer came out there like last year and I watched yeah. it and it looked interesting enough and then obviously the uh, the world happened 2020 happened and uh, everything started to get pushed back and cancelled and Disney is no different to that all their films like uh, Black Widow and more that I can't remember off the top of my head well releasing this year yeah basically uh, f- Frozen 2 onward um the list is pretty much endless. Yeah. They were, they had a lot of big releases that they've sort of pushed back. Especially New Mutants. Like New Mutants was the one that we all kind of thought with the lockdown and everything that it would get shoved on Disney Plus because that's been in development hell for a while as well. It just mm-hmm. hasn't been come out. But no, they're releasing that later this year in cinemas. But Artemis Fowl got dumped on Disney Plus last Friday, I think. Was last Friday, yeah. Yeah. And uh it was a shit show. Oh, I've dropped it. I've dropped a curse word already and this podcast is not meant to have curse words. Anyway, moving on really quick. I'll beep that out. Um, yeah, it was terrible. It's got a 10% Rotten Tomatoes rating so far. 10%? With that's the critic score with a 23% audience score. Ugh. It's woeful. Apparently, it is woeful. I haven't seen it myself. I can't really say much, but from what I've heard, it's woeful. Now, there's a reason why I'm bringing it up because it's had me thinking about Disney Plus. Why would they dump it on Disney Plus? You know, they obviously didn't have faith in it to make money back at the box office. Um it's 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 not even that. I think myself Disney are trying to kind of beef up their subscription service. So they're kind of gambling seeing what movies are going to draw people in it's kind of like the whole like comparing it to netflix so netflix looks and says right we're going to do a couple of television series we're going to do a couple of films and you know hopefully that will draw people in kind of like stranger things yeah stranger things drew a lot of people in um some of their movies they're a bit hit and a miss. Netflix yeah. really did. Once once in a while, they'll bring along a movie that's actually decent. Most yeah. of it is just fluff pieces, though. Yeah, so I think Disney are doing the same. They're trying to create content that, if it's not available, say, within the cinema, it's going to draw people to sign up to their subscription, which is what they're probably going to do with Marvel and other things like that. It's to draw people into this subscription service. Um, I think they probably thought... Artem's Fowl was probably going to be the next Harry Potter. Oh, it was it was going to be a franchise or starter. But, like, it's... When you start to read into the finer details of Artem's Fowl, you can sort of see that it was going to be a bit of a failure. Which is a shame, because it had such a big budget, and it's got a lot of big names attached to it. Like, you have Colin Farrell, um, you have Judy Dench, uh, Josh Gad is in it. Most known for his uh, Olaf, Olaf in um, Frozen. And is also a thing that he's been doing in lockdown, where he's uh, reuniting casts of really famous films. It's it's unbelievably. I good. I actually haven't watched any of it. It's yet, unbelievably it. good. Oh, I must check that out. But yeah, and um, now you mentioned Harry Potter. Like both the first Artemis Fowl book and the first Harry Potter book are roughly around the three hundred and fifty mark in terms of pages, and they managed to get a two and a half hour film out of Harry Potter, and Artemis Fowl is barely clocking in at ninety minutes. Wow. And this is a franchise starter. Like, you're you're trying to build a world in an hour and a half. It's not possible. 
Yeah. Mm. So. I think we might sit down during the week and we will watch it this and then yeah. we will literally come back with our own kind of review on it. No, I, like I, going I on user review and critics view, I w- would prefer if we sat down, watched it and maybe pick it up next week. Yeah. No, um, I agree. Um it. it's just it's kind of shaking me with Disney Plus. Like I I've enjoyed Disney Plus while I've had it so far. I've watched The Mandalorian, I've been watching Clone Wars and a few little bits in between like I glanced at the high school musical, the musical, the TV show show thing. Um that's interesting to say the least uh, but like this is i don't want to see them just like dump out the crap stuff do you know yeah but look it would be a shame if they use the platform for dumping out the things that they don't feel will make big money at the box office yeah but look w- give it a chance um there's still a lot of projects and because of well look we don't really want to talk about doom and gloom yeah um there's we enough of that. We kind of want to make this podcast normal so people can enjoy it. But uh, basically everything's kind of been halted for Disney and pretty much every other production company out there. So there's a lot of stuff that hasn't made it onto it. But given time, I'm kind of hopeful that Disney will make something decent. They, they definitely have the they have the intellectual properties to make a decent streaming service. They've always had it, but like, I, I mm. Artemis Fowl is just a little blip at the minute, and I'd hate to see them keep doing stuff like that. It's like, I probably would have felt the same if they dumped it out in cinemas. But for some reason, I probably would have felt a little bit better about it if they dumped it out in cinemas. I don't know why. No, see, I differ with that because at the moment we're only paying a subscription fee. You'll sit down, you'll watch it you're not feeling hard done by coming out of it. If you go to a cinema setting, you're paying a fairly real, like, like big fee Yeah. to sit down for the 90 minutes, going to be ripped off with confectionery, only to walk out and probably be disappointed and go, wow, what a big waste of money. Yeah, it's happened. I've, I've seen Twilight in cinemas. So <laughs> it's happened to me. Well, that's uh, the little Disney thing. Let's move on with the what's what. Uh, Mafia has been creating a lot of noise Yes, in the last few weeks. Uh, the Mafia Definitive Edition trilogy was announced and semi-released back in May. I th- uh, dates, I don't research things. I just no. remember them. We just go with it. Yeah, so basically they've done up Definitive Editions of Mafia 2 and 3 so far. Mafia 2 has gotten a full, um, full remaster. It's gotten a big graphical overhaul. A lot of people don't think it's a decent release, but I actually don't mind it. I think it looks nicer. They've definitely changed a lot of stuff with the lighting effects and the shadows and stuff. And uh, There's more things to do with the eyes in characters. It looks nice, and it's Mafia 2, so it plays really well. And they've also bundled Mafia 3 with its DLC into a big package. So you get Mafia 2 and Mafia 3 if you buy this now. The real gem of this is Mafia 1, the definitive edition, which is a fully remade from the ground up of the original 2002 Mafia, The City of Lost Heaven, which we've seen very little of until today when we got a full-blown trailer, which is not actually a full-blown trailer because there's no gameplay in it. Yeah. um, 
I'm very hopeful. Oh, um, yeah. Like, it's being completely made from the ground up. So chances are it's probably going to be very, like, tree. Yeah. So, like, I was very impressed. Um, I'm still impressed. And it was just dropped. There yeah. was no warning this was coming. It was just literally dropped and everyone was like, whoa. Um, so really good news. No, and I, th- even from what they showed in the trailer, it looks really good. Like, like this, it's mafia. It's great yeah, story. It's also bringing back our childhood. Uh, well, it's bringing back my childhood. No, I, I played it back in the day. Right. I didn't play much of it, but I played it back in the day. But yeah, they've changed a lot though. Like they made Solari fatter. I think, and younger. He probably was young. Yeah. Um, obviously, given the limitations of the previous generation, um, he probably was young. We just didn't realize it. Yeah. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of polygons back then. But it's a good thing. So, like, I know everyone thinks or oh, remasters, remakes. It's just a cash grab, but it's not. It's allowing the next generation to experience what the previous generation has um and also for us it was such a good game so for us to go back and replay it would require pulling out an old console dusting it off finding a playable disc and trying to enjoy it yeah whereas now when it comes out we'll be able to play it and in some ways kind of think back to the happier times before adulthood. <laughs> oh, I got you. I miss those days extremely. But yeah, it looks it looks really good, and it's going to be really good. I already have it bought. I bought the Mafia trilogy, so I'm going to get it when it comes out. Oh, Klein and Sinker, John. Oh, Klein and Sinker. They're great games. Like anything to do with the mob is great. I just they're brilliant games, and like I'm hoping what they do with it is it's like Mafia Two, but with some gameplay elements from Mafia 3 but not completely Mafia 3 because I felt that was a bit repetitive yeah um, look they've had a lot of time to say have a look at the trend um, and just they'll be able to figure out what worked what didn't work and they can build on that yeah no it'll be good it'll be good but yeah it's got a new trailer out it's a completely cinematic trailer just give it a watch it's really good uh, side note, No Time to Die, one of the first films to be sort of delayed when all this lockdown business happened, uh, has now officially got an actual release date. Uh, since it's been delayed, it was said that it was going to be released in November, but we didn't know when in November. So it's coming out in the UK on November 12th and in the US on November 20th. And will be Daniel Craig's last go around as James Bond. Oh. Yes, yeah, shocking sad. Sean is a huge fanboy. Like mm. a massive, massive James Bond fanboy. I range from being they range from being some of my favorite films ever made to being just complete guilty pleasures. Like you've Casino Royale, which is just a brilliant <laughs> film, in and out. Like it's just perfect. And then you have stuff like Moonraker, which is complete and utter fluff and faff. Actually, the majority of Roger Moore's run is complete fluff and faff. Yeah, but it's fluff and faff that you remember. Oh yeah, sure. You can't not remember a British spy dressing up as a clown. It's like that's just completely out there. But yeah, so there's a little random bit of trivia for you. No Time to Die is coming out on November 12th and November 20th. 
Something to look forward to. Yeah. Something else to look forward to is the new Star Wars game that EA have not actually revealed yet. That's coming tomorrow, but it's coming and it's going to be a fighter pilot fighter game called Star Wars Squadrons. Yes, um, this was definitely look. We can all think this. This is like so left field. Not really. This was so in the making. Um, Battlefront Two pretty much got everyone hyped for this. Um, being able to fly around in ships within the game. Yeah. Pretty much like w- when I played Battlefront, and I actually recently downloaded it again. Um, I genuinely thought this would be really cool if you could just build a game on this. Um, which they have in the past. Like before, obviously they were acquired. Uh, Lucasfilm used to Lucas Arts used to actually make some pretty good. Yeah, like Jedi Starfire and yes. um, a bunch of other ones that I can't remember <laughs> the names of. Um, the problem I'm having with it is it could end up being another Battlefront Two, where it could be just full of microtransactions from the gate. Like you know, it could, but given that the fact of we had Fallen Order. And seeing that they could make a very good single-player game could actually lead to... I reckon myself they're going to make a game that's split up into two. Yeah. So you'll have a single-player story, and then if you want, you can have a multiplayer online experience. Um, I, I Look... Battlefront is pretty cool. It's decent now because they've stripped back all the microtransactions to cosmetics only, and it's more of a it's a more enjoyable game to play than it was at release. Yeah, look, I'm not a fan of them games. I never was a fan of just completely online games. Yeah, I'm going to get a lot of s- stick for that, but I purely enjoy. But sure, they got stick for it as well. Because then on start, what made the original Battlefront the Battlefront Two good was the single player. It had a decent single player campaign, and even though EA did include a single player campaign in Battlefront Two, it felt very tacked on. Like it was just shoehorned in at the last minute, where and the multiplayer aspect was the bigger part of it. Yeah, but it that makes sense when you think about it because that's where the money was because all the microtransactions were linked to the. No, absolutely. The, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Everyone knows EA is in it for the money. And uh, that's... I don't yeah. think they'll really change. I think they will give it a shot with single player, but definitely it's money, money for them, and that's pretty much it. I think if Battlefront 2 hadn't gotten as much backlash as it did for its microtransactions, we wouldn't have Jedi Fallen Order the way it is. Like, it's very much... It was a very big slap on the wrist for EA, and they really reined it in, and they completely cut all microtransactions and uh, multiplayer aspects out of Fallen Order. It's a pure single-player story. Yeah. And it is also very run-of-the-mill when you think about it. It's very Uncharted and Dark Souls. and They pulled a lot from bigger games to make a Star Wars game. It's a good game, but it's a very diluted version of other games that have already done stuff before. Yeah. But look, that's a good thing, though. It can, it can't be, like you know. It's, uh, it's a guilty sort of thing, you know. I don't know what the word is. It's te- <laughs> it's terrible, but it's great. It's terrible, but it's great. I like Fallen Order. Stick down on a T-shirt. 
it was one of the good, one of the few good things we've gotten out of Star Wars in the last few years. Yeah. Like, you can count on your fingers what um, good Star Wars products have come around since 2015, and those are literally Clone Wars Series 7, um, Mandalorian, and Jedi Fallen Order. That's it, I think. Because pretty much after Force Awakens, we've had uh, um, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, which have all kind of, you know, taken heat in some way or another, and it's just... Yeah, we'd probably have to do, like, a bonus podcast if we were going into in-depth about the movies. The bonus Star Wars cast. Oh. Star Wars is just gone to a whole new place. And it's so sad. Breaks my heart every time I think about Star Wars. Moving on. <laughs> don't want to get too carried away. That is the What's What wrapped up for the week. There we are. It was a very quiet week. But then again, we are in lockdown. Every week's been quiet. Every week's been quiet. Yeah. But now we let's move on to the main merchandiser segment of the show, which is the big news we've got this week, which is PlayStation 5. Booyah. There's no fanfare in the back. There's no fanfare. Just dead air. Just pure dead air. We're that excited about it. It's been a long time coming to see this console. Because we've seen Xbox Series X has been kind of been there since February. Yeah, it, it... actually has been around that long that it actually feels like it's been on sale and like it feels like it's been around a long time but it hasn't even been released either yeah I, I felt xbox really just kind of threw themselves out there they're trying to generate as much hype around this as they can yeah because they don't want to lose the race they lost the race with the previous generation and they don't want to lose it this time yeah so by getting as much information out and showing people that this is what we have to offer. When it goes on sale, please buy it. Yeah. Um, Sony, on the other hand, they're kind of different. They've been very slow <laughs> with details. They've been taking their sweet yeah. time with showing things. Yes. But we finally got some like proper things shown, and uh, they did it all in one big, long live stream. Which was different. Um, we're so used to watching for those of you who don't know we do actually sit down and what like watch these events but it was strange not seeing a crowd interacting or people up on stage and the whole awkwardness i actually missed the awkwardness of mishaps and misfortunes happening on stage i think that was the strangest bit everything was obviously you want to see games breaking like you want to see the biggest games releasing just like completely breaking on stage live yeah. when you don't when you can't do anything about it. It's like terrifying, but it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but Sony have been building to it for a while. Like they've been doing their um, live streams for a while. I can't remember what they're called. I think they're called States of Play or something. Yes. Yeah. Where they it's just look, it's it's changed. So they used to have the PlayStation Experience, and then it's like State of Play. Yeah. Um. It looks good though. Like. And it, it it worked. For what it was, it worked, you know. Yeah. So let's actually get in and talk about PlayStation 5. The look of it. What do we think? Extremely futuristic. Um, It's got a lot of slack. Um, So everyone's comparing it to a Wi-Fi router. Um, but it It's looks a PlayStation like a 2 um, wrapped in a book. I've seen a lot of memes. Um, It's different, though. 
It's very it's, different. It's outside their comfort zone. Yeah. We're used to the dark model um with like this like what we call the shiny plastic and then the matte plastic yeah. and the blue light and the dark controller. And they've gone the opposite way. It's like so futuristic. It's as someone said, it's like something a stormtrooper would make for a stormtrooper. Yeah. It which is good. Look, they're breaking the mold and I think people are going to have to get used to it. I personally myself I think it's extremely futuristic looking and I definitely like it. No, I I, I agree. I think it's really cool. Um it's the first console they've ever released that doesn't look like a box or has severe obesity. <laughs> Well, uh, the PlayStation One was sort of its own, like that—that's like an iconic look. You can't do anything wrong with the PlayStation One, and then you had the PlayStation Two, which was just a PlayStation One that was a little bit fatter. But then they made the PS Two Slim, which is what I think the definitive version of the PlayStation yeah. Two. And then I don't know what they did with PlayStation Three. They just—that's—that uh, was a hulking mess, and it was forty gigabyte hard drive, like it was ridiculously small in size, but ridiculously large in physical size. Yes. And then we had the PlayStation 3 Slim and Super Slims, and they were great. And then PlayStation 4 hasn't really changed with its with each release. No. So pretty much when we got the next, I wouldn't say that, it was like a half step. So we obviously got the PlayStation 4 Pro. It was a bit, it's a bit beefier, but it still has the same sleek design of the kind of oblong. Would it be oblong? It's never really good at... Um, technology graphics um yeah look I, to me i definitely think the playstation 5 is designed this way purely for a cooling point of view so i reckon that one third of the system is just purely dedicated to cooling the whole top half i think and you can sort of see it as well if you look at it where it curves up and down that's um it's it's all ventilated like yeah it looks it looks really nice though it looks like a building that you'd see in dubai <laughs> But it looks really nice. Yeah. It also, when they showed off the console, they showed off a bunch of different things that you could get with it. So yes. the first, the first was obviously the main console, which was what you'd expect with a controller. And they immediately followed this up with a digital uh, console, which is the first of its kind I've ever seen. Yeah, which kind of leads us to think that PS5 could possibly the last generation of console with a disc drive in it i don't agree with that i think there will always be discs somewhere people like having physical media i know i do so yeah i just that's the bit that kind of frightens me um for those of you who don't know we reside in ireland and our uh, our broadband is not really up to scratch with most of the world. It took me a day to download Fallout 76. Which isn't bad. It's That's 24 not hours. And it was a 60 gigabyte game. Yeah. So like th- it, it, it frightens the likes of us. That it, an all digital version of a console. Because we just don't have the infrastructure for that. Hence the reason why the likes of Stadia and... You know games and infrastructures like that. They don't work just yet. It's the same with PlayStation Now. Like PlayStation Now was always appealing to me since the day it released, and I can't use it because the games lag like hell. I mm-hmm. tried it. I tried playing Metal Gear Solid the HD collection on it, and it just 
I went straight back to the PlayStation 3 version because it just lags. And it's very terrifying when you need to save your game and Is you know, going, yeah. your connection could drop at any minute and you're just, you know, it's not going to save. So, yeah, it's terrifying. But, no, I definitely think that uh, actual discs and disk drives and consoles will st- dare stay unless I'm wrong completely and they will get rid of it, which they might because obviously they could put more stuff in they have a disk drive that's not there. Yeah, look, it, for me personally, I I always worry. I really like looking up on my shelf at my games collection. Yeah, I'm um, And like, not only for this generation, but for all generations, like we have games on our shelves dating back to PS2. I think we got rid of most of our PS1 titles. We have no PlayStation 1 games at all. Yeah. They've just disappeared out of the... They've disappeared into the unknown. I don't know where they are. <laughs> I don't even remember owning them. That's the thing. It's just crazy. Yeah. And they're so hard to come across now. PlayStation 1 games. PlayStation 2 though. I've been recollecting them. Yeah. They're nice. I mean they run like crap. But they're nice. But that's just because the consoles are like super yeah, old. Yeah but. Again. And like it hasn't been mentioned. But. Backwards compatibility. In what form. Are they going to. Force. The PS now on us or are they actually going to allow us to insert a playstation 2 disc well they've already confirmed that playstation 5 will be playstation 4 backwards compatible um mark cerny i think his name is he's the kind of tech hardware guy for sony he is involved in nearly all the console builds and he did a big talk we thought was playstation 5 reveal it wasn't it was an hour and a half of him just talking about teraflops and ssd (laughs) And it was great. If you were really interested in that, I wasn't, but I still watched it. And yeah, he said that one of the biggest issues, which also linked into the price of PlayStation 3 when it came out, was the fact that they tried to shove a PlayStation 2 chipset into a PlayStation 3. So they could actually run PlayStation 2 games on it. And eventually this was patched out over time. Um, But they've already confirmed, yeah, it will be PlayStation 4 backwards compatible. So I don't know how they're doing that. I don't know if they're using similar chipsets or what the story is, but that's how they're doing it. As for any platform that came before then, no, there's been no word on it. And with the rise of PlayStation now, it's highly doubtful that they will go that extra mile with it. Yeah. Which is a shame because, you know, it would be nice to be able to just play PlayStation 2 games that are on disc or PlayStation 3 games that are on disc on your PlayStation 5. Because you build up a library over the years and you want to carry that library over with you. Yeah, and eventually what happens is you, like, the downfall is the hardware. Mm. So like a PlayStation 1, a PlayStation 2, you know, even an Xbox or an Xbox 360, eventually that hardware is going to burn out. Yeah. And it would be nice if in an ideal world for us... It would be nice to go back and play the classics on a brand new console rather than having to unearth something from your past, blow the dust off it and hope hope to the higher heavens that it's going to work. Yeah. But sure. Dems the ways, do you know? Dems the ways. Dems the ways. Um, sure would you be well. Sure would you be well. <laughs> but along with PlayStation 5, the actual console itself they obviously showed off the dual sense controllers which are very chunky 
I'm not going to lie. They're a bit on the chunky side. Yeah, look at... For me, I definitely think PlayStation 4's controller was the nicest. By far, it's the most comfortable controller I've ever held in my hand. And I think what they've done is they've bridged the gap. So I think myself that the PS5 controller it's was the go-to controller and they just decided we'll just step it back right. and bridge the gap to allow players to get comfortable because we're now taking it in this direction. And the whole thing of getting rid of dual shock for dual sense. Yeah. Um there's a lot of futuristic tech going into it like haptic feedback from the triggers yeah and the different vibrations like you are going to be able to feel rain it's, a, it's supposed to make it feel as realistic as possible because that's what games are at the end of the day they're all about the immersion and they're trying to push that as much as they can with uh these new controllers they're also pushing it with these new headphones that have 3d audio featured in them and i haven't looked into this at all but yeah that's what they have yeah, so it, they are. They're, they're they're trying to make the games as immersive. Um, they've like they did it in the past. Like the previous headsets had presets from the games manufacturers. So what you would do is you would load up first uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which when it is actually done, it does make the game feel more immersive because you're experiencing what the developer wants you to experience. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm really curious. I'm and excited. I'm excited to actually hold the controller and just see what this is going to be like. Um, decades have gone by. We've used DualShock, which it's the same two rumbles. You can't, you know. It's been the same all the way up. Like yeah. And they got rid of it in PlayStation 3. They included six axes in that. Yeah. For a very long while, it was just six axes, which was... It was really missed. It was great on paper, terrible in execution. Yeah. And they tried to push it as much as they could, but no, it was just shoehorned out at the end. And it's... You still see six axes to some degree, but very, very rarely will six axes ever be used properly or any sort of motion control. Yeah. D- look, Nintendo are the best at motion. Just let... <laughs> Let Nintendo do motion control. Stop. Everyone else just stop. You know, we've had the connect. We had the move. They never took off. Nintendo just did it wonderful. And even the, what the Switch can do in terms of motion control, yeah, it's great. They don't work for me, though, because I have a Switch Lite, so I have to shake my entire console if I want to do something. It's mad. I like I was playing <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey, and there's a mad jump you can do with motion control, and I nearly flung my Switch out the window. <laughs> It's just <laughs> that's, that's them's the ways, you know. It's just terrible, sure look. But um, yeah, along with the headphones, the console, the controllers, we also got to see a dual sense charging port, which can charge two con two controllers, not two consoles. Uh, a media remote, which honestly looks like a Mac mouse. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very Apple stylish. To the backbone, yeah. and um. We got the new um, PlayStation camera, which is the nicest camera I've seen so far. It's so sleek. Yeah, it actually is. So, PlayStation 2 had the original eye tie, yeah. which looked like the PlayStation 2. 
just on a smaller scale with yeah. a little like ball hanging off the front of it. Then we had the weird mic heavy top camera for PlayStation Three. Do you remember that one? Vaguely, I vaguely it's, remember it's, that. It was a strange setup. A huge mic on the top of a small little ball camera. I remember that. And then you had what they call the first generation camera for PlayStation Four. Which was which just a bar. Big, long rectangle. Yeah, it was a big, long rectangle, which then they made kind of sleeker and rounded. Yeah. And it looked it looked nicer, but I never got it. Like, I, d- I didn't get any of the cameras in my box, which is another thing I want to talk about. Like, what's actually going to be in the PlayStation 5 box? Because there's been a decrease in what comes in a console box as the years have gone on. I remember getting my PlayStation 2, I remember getting two controllers with it. And I think I got the same with my PlayStation 3. And when I got my PlayStation 4, it was one console, one controller, and a charging cable, and a HDMI. That was it. So, are we going to be able to get at least, you know, the camera and possibly the dual charging port? Or the media remote. I like the remote. You know, I I don't mind using remotes when I'm watching Netflix and watching DVDs as well. Especially because PlayStation 4 has that touchpad thingy, you know, where you can move along the frames yeah I can't get that to work purposely (laughs) like if I want to do that I can't do it but if I don't want to do it I can do it no bother it just slide (laughs) and the worst part is like if you want to check how long is left in something you have to push the touchpad to bring up the bar to show you how long is left in the thing you're watching and of course that just whoosh and it fucking ruins it ruins my day I gotta go back or go forward you know but I can't do it purposely so there we are. There's my little gripe with watching TV on my PlayStation. So yeah, I'd like to meet First remote. world issue, Sean. Yeah. First world issue. <laughs> and my television yeah. remote is stupidly sensitive as well. Like you just press it to go along in Netflix and it'll jump about three or four things. And you're like, no, I only want to go over one. But no, it, do- it doesn't care. Just go straight to number four. Oh, I j- I, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's seriously frustrated. It's, it's, it's just... Yeah. I'd like things to be easier. That's all. I just want I just want my gaming experience to be easier. <laughs> yeah, look, I I'd say there's going to be a couple of configurations. So, yeah. You're going to have the digital only in the box. Then you're going um obviously going to have what they call the standard, which is the old disc reliable. Yeah. But you'll have your um the 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 bundles which they always bundle a game. There's going to be a game that they'll bundle in. Yeah. It'll probably be probably media molecules. Um it'll be something really small or like something that no one really cares about, like knack. Yeah. Let's just talk about knack for a second there because knack doesn't get enough appreciation. They're not yeah. bad games. They're N- just not great games. Yeah. No one bought knack too. I don't even people. I don't even think people realize Knack Two was released. I remember Knack Two releasing. I think Knack Two was a Disney or not Disney Plus game, a PlayStation Plus game. And yeah, I played Knack. I thought Knack was very good. I didn't even realize Knack Two had been released up until quite recently. But Knack will always be there as like one of the first PlayStation Four games because there was no games on PlayStation Four when it came out. There was hardly any release titles. Yeah, I think it was there to kind of showcase the power. Obviously, the the particle effects, the fact that he's made up of individual items. Yeah. It was a kind of a key selling point. Um, Yeah, look, I think they're going to go down the route of 
the bundles. But I do think that they will do like the ultimate bundle pack, which will be the camera, the uh, media remote, and probably two controllers. Yeah, they've done it with um, PlayStation VR. So you can get PlayStation VR just kind of as its own thing, or you can get the big pack, which is uh, PlayStation VR, a camera, um, two move controllers, and then a demo disc or a full game disc. It's obviously the one you would go for. Yeah. And it's probably the one I'll go for with PlayStation 5. But I guarantee you there is someone out there who genuinely thinks that they buy a PlayStation 5, they'll get a disc version and a digital version. Oh, yeah. Guarantee you. It just hasn't <laughs> been announced yet. But someone out there definitely thinks that. And I can't wait for that to come out in the news. That'll be brilliant. But now, let's talk about the actual games that were showing off alongside this. Yes. There was so many, so many, not just first party, but a lot of third party games. Some I honestly have no idea what they are and some that I'm kind of, you know. Yeah, and it's the whole of, um, they're all kind of varied. So it's not like a list of first person shooters, a list of third person. It's so varied and all the different styles. There is something for everyone at yeah. the launch of PS5. Someone is going to be able to sink their teeth into it. Pretty much like us, like we looked at this event and we instantly picked a game and went, well, that's my launch title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I, I had already said that I was going to wait a year or maybe two years. Like I normally do with most new consoles. Because I wait for a game to pull me in. Like with the PlayStation 3, it was Batman Arkham Asylum. And with the PlayStation 4, it was Metal Gear Solid 5. And then I saw this thing and I thought, well, I'm getting a console <laughs> this year. And that was Spider-Man Miles Morales, which I assumed was a direct sequel to 2018 Spider-Man. It's not, but it is, but it isn't. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's breaking your brain. It's just, it's so funny. It's caused you, You've so contemplated much. for the last week, <laughs> what is this game? And only for Insomniac kind of clearing it up that it, it's a standalone game. Yeah. But it's based on Miles Morales from the Spider-Man game on PS4. It's it's Uncharted The Lost Legacy, like you said. It's not it's not doing anything major, but it's going to do something big. Yeah, it's going to tie you in know? because there will be there will be a Spider-Man 2 on PS5 later in the lifeline of this console. Yeah. But it's setting you up because Miles is a pretty cool character. Oh yeah, and like you were saying, it didn't feel like a Peter Parker game. No, it, it was very, it was very much half. Like obviously, Spider Man played a huge thing in it because a lot of the gameplay was built around Spider Man. But Miles, throughout the game, Miles is built up. Like he, his character arc gradually grows and grows and grows as the game goes on, and by the end of it, he has spider powers, Spider Man powers. Like he jumps on a roof at the end of it, like. So we knew Miles was going to be the next Spider-Man, but yeah, it's actually happening. I and I thought he'd get his own like big old game, but no, he's only getting a little standalone side thing, like uh, Chloe did in Uncharted: The Lost Legacy. <laughs> Look, I'm still going to play it. It's going to be great. You know, I'm going to enjoy it. It's set at Christmas time, from what I've seen in the trailer. There's Christmas decorations. There's snow. I'm hoping. I really am hoping that they've actually added dynamic weather. And a day and night cycle to the game. That's my big thing about Spider-Man PS4 that I didn't like. That it yeah, it just... Fixated on the one 
the day and night cycle was very it was set to where you were in the game and if you wanted to change the day and night cycle in free roam you had to do it yourself like just let the day change they were doing that in 2004 with spider-man 2 just let it do its thing it's fine you can do it so i don't know why they didn't do it so i'm hoping it, yeah and there's now snow in it so dynamic weather day and night cycle that's what i want for spider-man miles morales there we go speaking of insomniac they've also announced that ratchet and clank are making a comeback oh yeah yeah yes I am a massive, not livid. Living. Oh, sorry. I thought you said livid. Um, I am so excited for this. I am a massive Ratchet and Clank fan. Um, they didn't go the whole route of a naughty kind of... Um, no, like uh, Up Your Arsenal or... Um, Quest for Booty. Quest for Booty. Um, there's so many more. I can't think of. <laughs> it's, uh, it just shows you where our brains go. Tools of destruction. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Great game titles. Um, sorry, wind. Ooh, it's the first um Ratchet and Clank title since 2016, but I don't really include that one because it's a remake of the first game. Technically, this is the first Ratchet and Clank game since 2013, since Ratchet and Clank Nexus on PlayStation yes. 3. It looks good. Like, it's Ratchet and Clank. It can't get much better than Ratchet and Clank. Actually, it can. For me, personally, it can. You know, where's Sly Cooper? Where's my dude? Where's where's Sly Cooper? He's long gone. He's yeah. in the area. He's, he, like, tucked away on a top shelf somewhere. Sly yeah, is yeah. just so forgotten. I think so many people forget about Sly Cooper. And it's just not fair. Yeah, look, it's... <laughs> right, w- the whole thing about this is... Sony works with mascots. So it's stuff that's going to work. Yeah. So Ratchet and Clank had such a good reception on the PS4. Yeah. That why not? Why not bring them back? Um I genuinely am so excited for it. Um it looks good. It's just it's dimension hopping with Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. And it's Insomniac are great at doing humour and they were great at doing humour in Ratchet and Clank and even in Spyro so it's going to be a great game and it's going to be a launch title as well which is brilliant yeah Um, I do think though going back to Sly Cooper it would have been nice to see him come back because Sony still own him whereas with Crash they've lost Spyro they've lost and um, I think Activision also own Jack and Daxter Oh, we'll have to look that up and confirm. But as far as I know, I think they do. But see, with Jack and Daxter, I can see them not coming back because they're very much a product of their time where they came around sort of at the tail end of, you know, like Super Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie, the jumping platformer things. And um, they went a bit extreme, you know, in Jack 2. Jack got a gun and an angry voice, so, you know. They didn't move with the times, but Ratchet and Clank, it was a platformer, but it was also a shooter as well. It worked, you know, it was able to carry over the generations. Yeah. So I don't know. It looks good, all the same. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Probably not as much as you are, but, you know, (laughs) I am looking forward to it. Uh, Moving on, though, the next game I want to talk about is a little game called Kena or Kena Kena Bridge of Spirits. I've no idea what this game is, but it looks good. It looks really good. Um, 
they showed a lot of gameplay during it, which I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. So I don't know whether it's just kind of small little sections they have completed, but it looks pretty impressive from what I've seen. It looks open world. Yeah, no, I, we can't confirm. I, I'd say with the type of game it is, it wouldn't be an open world, but it'd be very large sandboxes. They're going to give you a lot of areas to go around and do things, and I'd say, but I doubt it's going to be an open world. Yeah, look, I, we um, we'll see. Uh, that's another one on my list now. Mm. Um, it's one of the few games that was announced that I actually thought, oh, that's really interesting. You know, I might actually get in on that. <laughs> there was um. One particular part during the whole thing, we got super, super excited. Um, oh, is this uh, Resident Evil? It was Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. Uh, the new Village Resident Evil or Resident Evil 8 Village or VII Age Resident Evil. However you want to look at that logo, you know. Ah, it's just so good. Some, it was a seriously good trailer. So uh, it just kind of came out of the blue for us. Um, I had no idea what it was. <laughs> the whole way through, I was convinced it was something else, but no, it's Resident Evil 8. Yeah, we were like, is it? No, it could be a new IP. No, no, it could be Resident Evil. No, and then I think at one point I like blurted out, is it Van Helsing? Oh yeah, you <laughs> said Van Helsing. It looks, yeah, I can see where you came from. It has that sort of style that a Van Helsing sort of property would use. But no, it's Resident Evil. I think Evil. near the end of the trailer we had kind of pinpointed just literally before yeah it's when your man says Chris and, yeah. the, and I was <laughs> like oh my god that's Resident <laughs> Evil like whoa yeah it's great to see that because like Resident Evil 7 was 2017 you know it's 2020 wow. now and, yeah. we, and all we've had since then are two remakes which aren't bad Resident Evil 2 remakes a great game Resident Evil 3 is a decent game no it's, it's a fun <laughs> game it's a short game but it's a really fun and intense game I enjoyed the crap out of that I don't really like what they do with Nemesis. Like he's great at the beginning, and then he just becomes uh, sort of spongy, bullet spongy bonds boss fights, bonds yeah. fight boss fights. He's very like he looks great, but he could have been used a little bit better. I thought in the game, but yeah. And then after Resident Evil Three came out, there's all these rumors coming out that Resident Evil Four was next in line to get a remake, which I don't agree with. I think Resident Evil Zero deserves a chance in the spotlight. That game is so overlooked but that's here nor there at the minute. And yeah, that ended on a big... Resident Evil 3 ends on a big cliffhanger. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't played the damn game. Go out and play the damn game and come back and listen to this. It ends with a mysterious person picking up a vial that the T-Virus was in. We don't know who the mysterious person was, but many people piece together based on the clothing that this person wears, i.e. a green t-shirt. It's Chris Redfield. And Chris Redfield also made a brief appearance at the end of Resident Evil 7. And now he's in the trailer for Resident Evil 8. So, it's amazing. It's going to be such a great game. I hope it's going to be a great game. It's going back to first person, which I like. You know, Resident Evil 7 was definitely a hell of a lot more atmospheric than any other Resident Evil game because it was first person. Yeah, look, um, first person, for me, what it is, it's it's up in the scare factor. Oh yeah, you're closer um, to the action. Yeah, and plus, because they're doing the first person, it's the whole integration of VR. Yeah, so which they've actually done with Resident Evil 7. You can play that entire game from start to finish in VR. Yeah, which is absolutely terrifying. I'd love to try it. I really would love to try it and see what it's like. Because I, I 
just can't do it, but I'd love to try it. It'd be great. Um, and it's also, it was one of those things that came after PT. Oh, yes. Do you know when all those games came about and they were all PT inspired, like Allison Road, where the hell's that game? That's <laughs> just been, whoa, where's that been? But yeah, Resident Evil 7 came around and yeah, it was PT to the backbone and yeah. it worked. Yes. Like it worked. And we needed Resident Evil 7 because we had Outlast and Amnesia, which are great games in their own right, but they're all about running away from things. I don't want to run away from things. I want to pick up a shotgun and shoot whatever the hell's coming after me. And in Resident Evil, you can do that. You can just shoot people. It might not work. You might run out of ammo, but it, it I get to shoot people. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. I'm not a violent person. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. I don't see the point in running away from everything, which is a big thing about Outlast. Speaking of Outlast, I want to just sidetrack real quick here. There's a new Outlast game on the way. I have not heard this. Yeah, I only found out today. I'm going to just be really, like, completely unprofessional and start Googling mid-podcast. Uh, uh, the Outlast Trials, here we go. Uh, yeah, Outlast Trials. Uh, set in the Cold War, unwilling volunteers have been recruited by the Murkoff Corporation to test new methods of brainwashing and mind control. Work alongside your friends in a world of distrust, fear and violence and attempt to survive the Outlast Trials. Uh, loading about game. Oh wait, that's uh, that's just that's little things in the website that are coming up in the biography. Yeah, there's a new Outlast game coming, and by reading that, it's going to be a multiplayer game. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't play Outlast two. I'm going to be honest. I didn't play Outlast two. Did you? It was free. Y- yes. Look, f- for people who don't know, I don't like jump scare games. Not really a huge fan. Um, kind of like just... I don't particularly like playing games where I'm going to like be lifted out of my seat. You know, unexpectedly. I don't yeah. like that. No, I'm not a huge fan of it either, but I still love a good <laughs> horror game. There's just something about the thrill of it. And I enjoyed Outlast 1, but... I never took to Outlast 2. I just... There was something about it. I never really got into it. And I wish I'd given it more time, but... It never really hooked me in the way like Resident Evil or Silent Hill hooked me in, do you know, where you instantly just turn on the game and you're suddenly in the world. You're like, yeah, I'm in this with the long haul. So yeah, there's a little side note. Outlast 3 or the Outlast Trials is coming. But because this podcast started to run on a little bit, let's just quickly get back to the PlayStation 5 games. Horizon Forbidden West is coming. It's a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. I never finished Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, I'm so disappointed in you, Sean. Mm. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just big, open-worldy, quest-line games. I can't finish them. I just play them, but I can't finish them. I'm still playing The Witcher. It's been five years. I'm still playing Witcher 3. You set it out. You yeah. actually set it out in the open. I will admit, I'm still playing that game. I'm going to get there one day. I, I will get yeah, there. Stop playing side quests and you'll get there. I just, <laughs> side quests are the best part of it all. And I hate to brush over it, but moving on. Death Loop, Arcane Studios... Looks really cool. Yeah, it's your you and a, you are fighting a group of assassins locked in a time loop. So every time you die, the loop resets. It looks great. It's combining bits of prey, bits of dishonored. I definitely know as that when I watch the <laughs> gameplay of it. Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, it it's f- the whole essence. The first thing that kind of rang home for me was 
Prince of Persia. Yeah. The whole rewinding of time and messing with time. And well, I suppose you could say Anton that has time travel has a Prince of Persia vibes off it. Yeah. Yeah. Prince of Persia did time travel well, though. Like, well, it kind of annoyed me at the end of Sands of Time when it went back and rewrote everything I just spent the last five and a half hours doing, but that's here and there at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a very slap in the face when you, you know, you get to the end of that game and, it, you know, it, it's a nice happy ending. Everything's been reset. Your dad's not dead. Happy days, but nah, nah. I ran around so much in that game, you know. I would like to walk away from that hellhole. Mm. You know. Uh, moving on, quick fire round mentioning games. Uh, Stray, you play as a cat in cyberspace. Definitely going to try it. Oh, God, yeah. I almost want yeah. to try that. And the cat looks really realistic as well. <laughs> That's the best part about PlayStation 5. The cat looks great. So there we go. That's a good one. You can't have a PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 5, a PlayStation launch without a Gran Turismo launch. Looks impressive. Of course Looks it is. It's very Gran impressive, yeah. It's a car game. You can't go wrong. It's car games are a bit like uh, sports games. They they always look great because they ha- they don't really upgrade the gameplay. And yeah, Gran Turismo Seven looks fantastic. And I noticed really briefly in the trailer that they've included a world in it. Is it open world? I doubt it is, but it could be. Couldn't be open world. Yeah, everything's just gone open world these days. You can't rule anything out. You know, it all has to stay the same. <laughs> My microphone is getting lower and lower. It's going to just be edited out. Oddworld Soulstorm, that also got announced. I thought this was a remake of Abe's Odyssey. Odyssey. Or not Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus, which was the second game in the Oddworld series. It's not. It's a new new game. It's actually a continuation, as far as I know, which is great. You know, Abe hasn't really gotten lost, like shine in recent years and by recent I mean 20 yeah and again we come back to the whole mascots yeah. Sony love their mascots and they just don't treat them with enough respect no you know we should have had an Abe's game for every console I know we did have an all world game on Playstation 3 but it wasn't an Abe's game you know so I'm happy to see Abe actually coming back with a brand new odd world uh, Hitman 3 is another one coming in January yeah. they may these Hitman games make me so happy because it's just seeing IO Interactive doing stuff, especially with the way things have gone since Hitman 2016 came out. I mean, they were dropped by Square Enix and that put the whole series up in the air. No one knew what was going to happen. But they held on to the Hitman IP and they teamed up with Warner Brothers to release Hitman 2 in 2018. And this game, they are publishing themselves. Oh, right. Yeah, they're going the whole way. Just, it's going to be developed and published by IO Interactive. And that's brilliant. It just makes me so happy, you know. It's um the final chapter in the World of Assassination, which they started in 2016. And it's going to be the hub for all three Hitman games. So they're going to bring over Hitman 2 and Hitman 1, all the maps, all the extra content. You can play them all on one game. Wow. They did it with Hitman 2. It's great. I have it. I have the Legacy Pack and I have Hitman 2. And just to have all those levels in one package is amazing. The downfall is the file size. <laughs> that game hits 180 gigabytes. No problem at all. No problem. It just, it climbs. When you install that game, it climbs. So that's what's freaking me out about Hitman 3. Yeah, but look, it's 
We'll have to make them decisions when we get there. Oh, God, yeah. You know, whether just buy a new hard drive or throw the console <laughs> in the bin one or, or the game in the bin, one or the other. But yeah, I'm really excited for Hitman 3. You know, they've... The new Hitman stuff is, in my own opinion, like, it's the pinnacle of Hitman. They took everything that made Blood Money great and little bits of absolution that worked and they just boof put them together and yeah it works perfectly you haven't played any of them though have you i haven't i did play i played a bit of hitman 2 um couple of missions i i'm blood money sean was the last game (laughs) yeah you stopped after blood money blood money (laughs) no you should try um you should try the new hitman games i know they've released the first levels of both games for free so you can download them and try them it's just the way they did it with these games is all the levels are big fortresses and you have to find your way around and get in and take out your targets it's really clever how to do it like it's just super clever yeah you should definitely check it out it's well worth a look um demon souls is getting a remake yes which is i mean look i'm not a souls fan I don't know how to feel about this. I liked Bloodborne. I wasn't a huge fan of Dark Souls or Dark Souls 2 or Dark Souls 3. So I don't know how I feel about Demon's Souls. Yeah, look. I, for, for me, it's not one that I will be spl- like splurging cash on. Yeah. But look, it, it, as I said, there is a multitude of games here for all parties. So someone out there is going to enjoy this. They're they're re- they're trying to reach as many people as they can to bring people in on place. This goes back to what they said about PlayStation Five. This was they wanted as many people to buy PlayStation Five when it came out, and that's definitely what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, they've already hooked me in, they've hooked you in, <laughs> and this is for like release. Like this might be the first year I get a brand new console in the year it releases. You know, which is something new. That's great. Um, speaking of uh playstation and uh mascots sackboy is making a comeback it's really weird sackboy the big adventure i haven't looked at anything about this i'm actually really surprised he's even coming back i thought little big planet just died on the playstation 3 yeah i thought that too and um see the thing about his media molecule they went a weird direction and we had dreams which well, isn't a bad looking game. No, but the whole aspect of build whatever you want. So I think myself, I think Sack by Adventures is going to be kind of like a Mario Maker-esque media molecule dreams. Yeah. Like hybrid. I can see it. I can see basically you have, because you like you in like the original for like uh, Little Big Planet, you were able to make your own levels this is going away from the whole 2d aspect it, it wasn't even 2d it was like it was 2D, um, 3d yeah it, it was that it was a, that hybrid kind of thing you were in 2d in terms of perspective but the game itself was 3d yeah i i what they've done now with the sack by adventures it's it's 3d completely oh three-dimensional so they will probably take aspects of dreams allowing you to create your own adventures yeah and then having an actual full-on 
single player based game and obviously multiplayer because why not jump in and play with your friends yeah it says here that it's a co-op adventure so they're obviously pushing that two player aspect I hope that's localised two player you know not actually multiplayer and I hope I don't need a Playstation Plus subscription to actually play it <laughs> <laughs> I probably will uh, last but not least let's just mention it because we have to GTA 5 expanded and enhanced when I say we have to mention that I don't mean that Rockstar are actually forcing us to mention it I just feel we should mention it because GTA 5 has basically become a part of life at this stage. Yeah, look, I don't know about you, but I got super excited when that Rockstar logo appeared. I genuinely felt my heart stop because I thought there is no way in hell they're going to debut the next generation GTA game. At the, at the like the launch of the console, yeah, only for the sudden realization of yes, you are totally correct. GTA Five on the third iteration of console is just strange. Yeah, but, but look at it's a massive money maker for them. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. It's um, no one expected GTA Online to be what it is today. I don't even think Rockstar expected it, and you can tell that because. Of all the plans they had made to do single player content, like DLC, for GTA 5, which never happened because the online mode just surged so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's making a mint. It's like the highest selling game of all time. And it's still going. So yeah, keep bringing it over. You know, might as well. It's going to make money. You're going to have a dedicated fan base. Keep doing it. Yeah. And we'll just, you know, get a game every seven or eight years whenever they caught in some mad freaking uh, animal physics or whatever yeah although um, Take-Two Interactive did say that they are going to be releasing a lot of games in the next five years yeah which to be fair is I think a good idea because really all we've had is since GTA 4 you know all we've really had is GTA 5 Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2 and there was a lot of years between them. Like, we got GTA 5 in 2013 and Red Dead Redemption before that in 2010. So there was a three year gap between them. And then, you know, 2013 to 2018 is the gap between GTA 5 and RDR 2. Yeah. So, yeah. Less realism just put out the game, I think. You know, the horse testicles will be fine. We don't need to see them shrink. You know, same with Kojima. We don't need to see the horse poo on the ground. <laughs> We don't need uh, walking physics. I'm going to stop that right there. Just <laughs> Let's not bring Death Stranding into this right now. <laughs> um, we should really wrap this up because we are now an hour and six minutes into this. Yeah, look at um, first podcast. We've a lot. And like to launch a podcast right on the pinnacle of a console launch was ballsy ballsy absolutely ballsy we have lots to talk about and chances are because we are in the middle of phase two of the lockdown um the lockdown ending everything's coming back to normal now. yeah so, but we, 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 like we're still not back to normal just yet no it's so chances so are weird. we'll probably be talking about ps5 next week yeah um because there is so much to talk about and obviously we're not forgetting about xbox you know we like we are ps4 heads um we were always playstation from the very beginning but 
we will be talking about other consoles don't think we're not we're not biased in any way um and we should also mention that this is no longer purely a gaming podcast no we are actually going to branch out and do like more pop culture stuff and when i say pop culture i mean we're going to talk about movies like superheroes and movies stuff. tv shows and anything interesting in yeah as it's called pop culture yeah if it's fun and interesting to look at we are going to talk about where it's stuff that we form ideas on that's what a podcast is you just get together and you talk faff for an hour and a half <laughs> faff faff <laughs> love that word um but yes i think we should wrap it up there Yes, if you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to get in contact with us, you can contact us on thearcadepodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and are we anywhere else, Sean? Instagram. Oh, yes, Instagram. Yes. See, you're, you're questioning that because we actually haven't made them yet. But by the time you hear this, yes, we will have made them. We'll have, you know, <laughs> actually showcased them on this. But yeah, we'll be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at the arcade podcast. That's D arcade, not the arcade. The the arcade. The arcade because we're actually two Irish lads and it's we're from the bog and it's our accent. Yeah, it's pure, awfully just flat line. Yes, you know our accent is just dead. <laughs> it's just monotone. <laughs> you know, I just sound sad every time I open my mouth. <laughs> Even when I'm happy, I'm sad. <laughs> like right now, yeah, I'm so happy. But I'm sad. <laughs> um, anyway, with that said, the arcade is now closed. Thank you very much for listening. You can catch us on the next podcast. We will be releasing every Monday, uh, starting from this Monday, I'd imagine. Yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's so weird when you actually haven't met Anthem before and you're trying to put it all together. I'm getting carried away. Let's just finish the intro. Uh, you can find us on Acast or you can find us on Spotify, iTunes. And like I said, we're on facebook instagram twitter keep your eyes peeled on them and we will be constantly updating them letting you know what's going on anyway with that i've been sean and i've been Stephen, and this has been the arcade and we are signing off locking the doors acast powers some of the world's best podcasts here's a show we recommend The Unmistakable Creative gives you timeless practical wisdom for living a meaningful life. Listen to deep, meaningful conversations with creatives, misfits, rebels, and change makers. At their core, people don't believe that they're good enough. So they get into this whole fake it till you make it paradigm in order to gain the credibility that is going to lead to the attention that's going to lead to their success. Subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. recommends.